now, brought to you by Ligaris Roasters, the coffee alchemists behind Gut Check Espresso. www.ligarisroasters.com Coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from the Nakatomi Cigar Room in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined again in studio live by my good friend and partner in radio, Zachary Bartles. And Zach, we are um, deep into um, the summer of Gut Check, but also Gut Check Literacy Month, which is a month in which we like to give back. We are waist deep in that one. We really are. We've been involved in Gut Check Literacy Month for quite some time now, I think probably going on three or four years. And uh, it has felt (laughs) wonderful to give back. And specifically, the way that we give back is reading words that we've written that we think are especially clever. Um, We read them out loud and we give them as a gift to the audience. So uh, we are working our way through a book called Re-Raptured Again, uh, which is a sequel to our our Rapture novel, Re-Rapture. Don't mind me, dude. Yeah. And everything okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You said don't mind me and then you moved right in front of my microphone in a way that like... Well, that's why I said yeah. don't mind me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and then you and then you minded, and then I, then I you minded, minded you me. Is yeah. the thing. Yeah, I minded you, and it's my bad. That's on me. Notice that you don't hear the air conditioning. Mm. It's already getting a little bit. Uh, it's already getting a little bit warm in here, though. It's already getting warm and close. I feel like we're gonna have a nice patina of sweat worked <laughs> up by the time we get to the end of this chapter. We're doing this for you. Though. We are doing this for you, and this is the this is the pain we go through as radio pros, Zach, to get to the um, just the excitement of putting product out there. So. Uh, Zach, let's get right into this. Do we have old gut check business? And by that, I mean uh, a tweet by a certain author with three names. I believe it is time to fire up the randomizer. Wow, the which old has randomizer. Been, well, you saw the, the disrepair it was in, and now I had to do work on all the belts. The belts, and, the, uh, the, the pulleys, the trusses. If Oil it up. Oil it up. If, if you could see what we're doing in the studio right now, what we're doing is wiping away like an eighth of an inch of dust off the top of the randomizer. All right, here it is, and firing up now. Mm. Okay, if you're new to the program, uh, this is a segment that we did, Zach, really in the early years of, uh, of this program. And the way that the, the, the conceit works, if you will, is that um, we fire up the randomizer. It's a high-tech piece of equipment. You don't want to try this at home uh, with whatever technology you have. But what the randomizer does, and it's really unique, um, it finds a randomly selected tweet by Rachel the Held Evans. And what we do then is we read the tweet out loud on the air. And the rule is neither of us can respond in any way to the tweet. So... We remain stone-faced. We remain professional because that's what we are. We have yet to fail. We've yet to fail in, <laughs> in several years of radio. We've we've got a, an impeccable, unimpeachable track record in this area. Unbesmirched, as it were. All right. Let me get one more puff on my stogie. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do radio when you're trying to also puff your stogie. But uh, Here we go. Yeah. There's more, but my point is this. Disagree with my interpretation all you want, but spare me the condescending sexist bullshit that tries to discount women like me who have done our homework because you're too scared to engage our actual content. (laughs) I feel like you're reacting to the tweets. You know, it's, it's, 
Well, what happens when the two of us get together is that we talk about a lot of funny things throughout the day. Oh, we were thinking something else? And it may be that I was thinking about something else that, uh, that was discussed earlier in the day. Because there were a lot of funny things. I mean, we could... <laughs> there, there would be no end to the funny we things. We don't have to tell you. We don't need to... Yeah. That's, that's Disclose right. every conversation we've had today. Now I know that this is the, so the conceit's over. So I feel like I can I can ask a follow up question about that. Too. Well, if it's a, if it's if it's trying to clarify the content, I don't think that's ever against the rules. You can you have to understand it before you can not react to it. Right? <laughs> before I can have a stone faced non reaction yeah. to it, I need to first understand it. Exactly. So in the spirit of understanding it, could I ask you who she was going after in that tweet? I haven't a clue, but I'm no. guessing it was probably someone like you. <laughs> Except that I don't care enough to engage even on a cursory level with her. Okay, that's so, that's yeah. that's wherein lies my level of apathy. Do the only but, person I know who's ever actually like in interacted online with her mm-hmm. is uh, Trogues. <laughs> that's right. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That was that was savage. Yeah, I mean, that was like that I don't was like the a, content of it. I it was just like remember. a one shot fight down a stairway. I did, yeah, involving yeah, a shot plate, plate and and a, right, right, involving like a, you know, a, a, a screwdriver to the thorax, you know. Um, can I, I believe, you go ahead. Can I can I ask you some details about that about Trogues and RHE's throwdown because I was never allowed to speak to Trogues about it. We weren't allowed to mention it. That was why you weren't allowed to say her name, and that's why when she left the program. You began signing off. The it way became that you fun did. to say her name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were just saying it because you're like a kid who was uh-huh. who was saying all the words. Yeah, I was like Mom a child. I was like a toddler that, that, that finally. Well, hopefully yeah. toddlers won't say bad words, but like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a toddler who was finally allowed to say Rachel Held Evans. <laughs> I think we all remember that. Yeah, we day. all we all remember that exciting. In our own day. toddlerhood, yeah. So, do you remember the the nature of the battle that that Trokes had with her? It was about complementarianism. Oh well, that's a that's a fun topic for her. You know. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a fun topic at all, ever, for anyone, but no, uh, no. for whatever reason, she had, I, I believe what happened was that she painted complementarians with an incredibly broad brush. Yeah. Stephen Altrogi mm-hmm. made a very fool move of trying to say, hold on, uh-huh. maybe maybe nuance that a bit, uh-huh. because I'm a complementarian, and I don't believe what you're saying. Uh-huh. And then she basically said, um, well... Why you have to go after me because you're too afraid of my content. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what you just heard. Which is what I just heard, but it was... And, and he was kind of like, but 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 it is your content. Uh-huh. And then they went back and forth for a while, and it, and it didn't end well. It ended with like, uh, I think someone took their, their Twitter handle and went home. Man, that sounds really productive. And what, what happened was that just really moved the dialogue forward in terms of the whole issue. <laughs> you know? Dude, I've got... It was in... nourishing. It, 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 it was helpful. I, I can't I can't Actually, sit on a high horse and judge, man, because I've I've gotten sucked into those. Not with not with uh, with her, but mm. in general in Twitter, like it's so easy to respond. You'd be like, I have to, I can't leave that just hanging there. Yeah. You respond once, and you're like, I'm not gonna, I'm not, yeah. and then and then you yeah. see, then you're like, oh, for crying! And mm-hmm. before you know it, you're you're uh, embroiled in it. Yeah, and and you don't you're looking for an out the whole time, but yeah. you can't concede. Yeah, you know, so it's yeah. a it's a, it's a delicate. Matter, it's a lose, lose, it? lose. It's a lose, it lose, lose is what it is. But I want to thank Strokes for having that battle because it gave us a perfect sign-off, really, for that other podcast. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I can't... I look back on that through rose-colored glasses because I see it as just the thing that I signed the show off with. You know what I mean? <laughs> you see all the upside. I see all the upside. I see... 
Trog sees a really stressful, damaging interaction with another human being. I see opportunity. Let me yeah. ask you something, man. Do you yeah. feel like your body is kind of sluggish with shawarma? I do, man. I feel like I've eaten so much shawarma. I'm so full of shawarma. And hummus and nicotine that my body is just kind of... <laughs> I think it's slowly shutting down. And... and <laughs> have you written down like what songs you want at your funeral and stuff? Like I don't want to have to come up with the whole thing. I feel thing. like we've talked about this. I feel like... Have we talked about what songs I want to play? To I don't people? think so. Really? No, let's hear it, man. Rele- was... Released by Pearl Jam. Really? Yeah. I don't even know how that one goes. How's it go? Uh, it's kind of the, the drone jam on the uh, the B-side of Pearl Jam 10. I think it's like the last track on the album or one of the last tracks. What are the um, lyrics that, that resonate with you that you'd want at your... Oh, dear dad, can you see me now? I am myself like you somehow. I wait up in, in the dark for you to speak to me. All right. Yeah, I'll ride the waves. Release me. That's kind of money. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's a, I feel like it's a good funeral song. Like you want that at the end, or like for... I don't know, man. That's the thing. I haven't really thought through the order or, or really any of the details. But you know, if I die tomorrow, you know what song I want? What's that? I want like a standard like high church, not not high high church, mm-hmm. but like high 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 end for Baptist church uh, funeral. Without a bunch of people getting up and sharing their no, feelings and crap. No, I don't want any crap. open mic. Yeah. And then right near the end, when uh, everybody is, you know, they say we're going to dismiss you aisle by aisle. Yeah. They, they, you know, click the lid shut on me. Yeah. And they start wheeling me out. Mm-hmm. I want uh, Breakfast by the Newsboys. Do you know this one? I don't know. There won't be Breakfast in Hell. Interesting. It's it's uh, it's know. a pretty money song. Yeah, interesting. And it's, and it's kind of snarky and like, uh, it would be a nice little... Yeah. Half ironic tag at the end, which I think would be yeah very in keeping with my personality. Yeah, no, that'd be good. That that would be very in keeping with your personality. Yeah, these of you mine, like I, I don't. I feel like one of my least favorite things in life is the open mic scenario where like it's amateur hour and people just bloviate. Dude, Im- they, imagine you're the minister and you've written down a, a yeah, homily, a thoughtful homily, yeah. and it's full of good theology. Yeah, and then. A bunch of people are allowed to get up and share their thoughts about how right. so-and-so is an angel now, or mm-hmm. how they're free from their body, and now mm-hmm. they're free to be a ghost in the sky. Right. And, like, everything they're saying, you're going to have to undo. It's patently false. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. And, and you're just getting more and more and more stressed out, but yeah. the family of the deceased insisted that this, sure. you know... I, I actually almost don't allow it now. Yeah, I don't blame you. Unless, the, unless they're like, I didn't know the person, no one's willing to do a eulogy... And I only have, like, you know, very generic yeah. cookie cutter. I, I don't want that. So I'll let it happen in those circumstances. But I don't like it. I feel like even posthumously I would hate it. <laughs> like, I would be laying there dead going, shut the... F- for, for the love of all that's good, land the plane. <laughs> land the plane. <laughs> Enough already. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right, man. So... Words that aren't going to make you say enough already land the plane. Well, dude, that's right. Yeah. Let's let's hop in here with uh, chapter nine. Yeah, this is yours, right? This is mine, and I would like you to be... I don't want to say James Wiles. Okay. <laughs> um, how about you know, if you yeah. are Josh, Rabbi Pastor Josh? I'll be Josh. Perfect. And this is Revelations, right? Revel- Revelations. Revelations right. with an S. Here we go. James Wiles picks up the phone and speed dials Morrison's old phone number, the one with the Denver area code. It rings three times. On the fourth, he starts to panic. Should he leave a voicemail? Would that kill the element of surprise? Or maybe it's better to reinsert himself into Morrison's life as a friend and from there into Strongbow's as well. Keep your friends close, etc. 
Hello, Duke's phone. <laughs> it's the voice of an older man. Who's this? James asks. It's Tim. Who's this? James ends the call and stares at the phone for a good minute. No doubt about it, that was the voice of Tim Van Shrimpy, mm. the man he had pledged to serve and protect three years ago on the field of Crossway Dynex <laughs> Kilometer High Stadium. The following morning, after a fitful night's sleep, he'd laughed the whole thing off and never really followed up with Van Shrimpy. But maybe it's time. After all, find Van Shrimpy, find Duke. Mm. But where to start? Certainly not a phone call out of the blue. It had to look like fate, a chance encounter. Again, though, where to start? Both of these men seem to have fallen off the face of the earth in recent years, as if they didn't want to be found. The professor cracks his knuckles. Time to do some digging. Josh and Max are playing Rapture 1988, which is a board (laughs) game produced by Van Shrimpy's ministry to fund his full-on media blitz leading up to the expected (laughs) Rapture that non-fateful September 30 years past. When the rapture failed to happen, the games became something of a collector's item. Josh paid $120 for this one on eBay. It was listed fair condition, but a bunch of the cards are missing. (laughs) The two men are talking like this in an ironic way to kill some time, but both really want to win, meaning they want the other guy to be, quote, (laughs) left behind. (laughs) I've been thinking, Max says, playing an ACLU card, which sends (laughs) Josh's character back five spaces. I want to stay. My vision's back to normal, and as long as you promise not to hit me with a brick again, or control me with a joystick again, or make me go anywhere near Edith, I'm in. I'm your beast. Sounds good, Josh says, absentmindedly. He's studying the cards and chips in his possession. He's vaguely aware of the irony that he's been treating the actual rapture in the same way. Let's keep the chains on for now, though. They kind of add to the beast persona. Fine. Josh's phone rings. Highway to hell is the ringtone (laughs) until he can think of something more clever. Hello? Josh, it's Sylvia. Sylvia? Really? Long time. He stands and paces away from Max, but not too far because this is New York and the place is tiny. Yeah, how have you been? Not bad, not bad. I'm just hanging out with Max Darby. Oh, cool. Tell him I said hi. Sylvia says hi. He calls out in Max's direction. Then to Sylvia. I told him. Cool, cool. So, you just calling to catch up, or is there something I can do for you, Sylvia? She hesitates. Um, are you still, you know... Josh smiles. Why, yes, I am. For real? Uh, all the way. Well, I want in. Josh smiles, a dragonish smile. Splendid. We'll just need to figure out what role you'll play. Max is currently the beast, and Edith's the woman who rides the beast. I could bump her if you want. Uh, no thanks. Right. Well, what did you have in mind? She clears her throat. throat) Well, I've been seeing visions and getting messages from the other side. I was thinking I could be one of the two prophets. Oh, no one told you? Hmm. Told me what? This is kind of awkward, Sylvia, but we uh, sort of switched sides. (laughs) You're still working against Van Shrimpy, though, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, that's fine, she says. I've got a very particular set of skills, and I'm ready to use them against Dr. Van Shrimpy. You can call me whatever you want. Nice, Josh says. And you can call me El Drago. (laughs) But let me call you back in a few minutes. I think I know how to fit this all together. I just have to take care of a couple of loose ends. He hangs up, grinning. Yes, he says. (laughs) Go ahead, sorry. Pumping his fist awkwardly. Now we're cooking with gas. (laughs) Fishing in his pockets, he comes out with a small metal key, which he tosses at Darby. You can let yourself out, Max. I'm afraid you've been replaced. Dang it, Max (laughs) says, upsetting the board game in the process. 
But Josh is preoccupied. Wow. He says, Both the whore of Babylon and the beast are women. How 21st century is that? He smiles wickedly at his reflection in the bathroom mirror. Wait till they get a load of us. A Google search for Van Shrimpy only brought up a bunch of conspiracy sites, all offering conjecture as to what has become of the one-time religious celebrity. About six months after our day, Van Shrimpy's show had gone off the air, and he'd apparently gone off the grid. But when James Wiles tried an image search using several promotional pictures of the televangelist, on the third day of clicking through results, he hit pay dirt on a Facebook page for something called the Park Slope Writers <laughs> Collective. There were only nine members. One of them seems to be Duke Morrison, using the nom de plume Morris Dickinson. <laughs> Duke apparently has a ponytail now. James laughs at the irony, which, uh, remembering his own ponytail, which he had sliced off with a hunting knife in the midst of all the chaos and emotion of our day. He never regrew it, and now it sort of seems like he passed the ponytail baton to Duke. Huh. His original plan had been to locate Duke and Van Shrimpy and then find a conference or seminar in the area so the college would pay for his airfare. <laughs> and now it's fallen right into his lap. This Park Slope Writers Collective page is full of discussion about the booth they've rented in the exhibit hall of the Wonder of Writing, or WOW, wow. <laughs> Christian Authors Gathering in Pelham Bay this coming weekend. There seems to be some disagreement about whether this group should even be recruiting from the world of religious writing, but the deposit has already been made, and both Duke and Van Shrimpy <laughs> are planning to man the table. James clicks over to the conference's website. He fills out what he believes to be a standard registration. Two minutes later, though, he gets an email. Subject line, you have been approved as a plenary speaker at WOW 2018. I love it, dude. Sylvia strides into the conference room, just as Darren is taking his seat. She nods at him and watches his face go bleach white. She smirks. What had she been worried about? Thank you for joining us, Ms. Lavord, Schofield says. Have you met Mr. Groves? He's with the CIA. Oh, yes, we've met, she says. How you been, Darren? Uh, fine, thank you. The dumpy little paper pusher literally pushes some paper around for a moment and clears his throat like four times. <coughs> so, uh, let's get started. The main thing we want to discuss today... Ultra jest. We're concerned, to say the least, Mr. Schofield, and we think you have some explaining to do. The phone on the table rings. Sylvia picks it up. Hello, she says. No one is there, of course. Yes, one moment. Mr. Schofield, you're needed in the President's office. It's very urgent. Yes, thank you, Sylvia. I'm afraid we'll have to reschedule, Darren. He stands and buttons his suit coat. Sylvia will show you out. I'll wait, he calls out after Schofield. You hear me? I'll wait for you. We need answers. Do you understand? He's gone, Darren, Sylvia says. Now you can leave of your own volition, or I can drag your unconscious form out of here. Your choice. <laughs> she watches his Adam's apple slide down, then back up. Okay, I'm leaving. But this isn't over. He gathers his papers. What are you doing here anyway, Sylvia? These people are dangerous. Taking a step toward him, she smiles slyly and says, Maybe that's why I fit in so well. Ooh... Dude, a lot of a lot of plot points in that chapter. Man. Yeah, a lot of movement. coming together. A lot it's of moving together. parts. So this next chapter. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> this next chapter is one of mine, and it's a little bit different structurally. Oh, I feel like beautiful. we need to do some setup. So, uh, chapter eleven. What this chapter is is uh, transcript slash minutes from an emergency Lahey Armaments Strongbow Holdings LLC. State of Nebraska DBA, Settlers of Nebraska, Ultra Jazz Shareholders Meeting. So, <laughs> This is my favorite chapter of either book. 
Honestly, nice, baby. No I appreciate joke. that. This is like a gut check meeting with all the different business interests coming together. You know, this is what our <laughs> meetings look like, really. Um, so what we've got, we've got um, a lot of different voices and a lot of different people represented around the table. How do we want to break down some of these parts? I feel like I will just announce who is speaking and you will read. And the, I will read the dialogue. Yeah. Perfect. All right. All right. Here we go. Location. Strongbow Holdings, LLC. Documentation. Sylvia Lavord. In attendance. Jerry Schofield, Timothy Strongbow, Sylvia Lavord, name omitted by request, shareholder, Lewis Ironsides, name omitted by request, shareholder, Jim Townsend, name omitted by request, shareholder, Duke Morrison. Schofield. Gentlemen, <clears throat> and Sylvia, thanks for coming on such short notice. Rustling noises. Strongbow. Is that Danish spoken for? No response. Schofield. Men, uh, and Sylvia, you probably know why you're here. We have a serious problem with UltraJest. Pauses to refer to notes. Sylvia, can I get those uh, lab reports, please? Sounds of paper wrestling. Sounds of Strongbow loudly masticating <laughs> the Danish. <laughs> Schofield. What we have here in uh, plain speak is a situation in which the advertised six-month gestation period, which is, as you know, accelerated to begin with... <laughs> Has been, in some cases, reduced to a day or two. Morrison, interrupting. You're telling me that women are having babies on this pill after two days? Schofield. That's what some users are reporting. We have reports of one woman in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who has had 11 babies in six days. Incidentally, she still has one of the smaller families in her church. (laughs) (laughs) Morrison. Boy, that sucks. I mean, that's not even enough time to get a nursery ready. Sounds of Morrison scribbling in Moleskin Journal. <laughs> Name omitted. Dialing cell phone. This is a disaster. We want out. Schofield. Now hold on just a minute. There's no need to panic. Public relations is planning a full frontal... Uh, never mind. That sounds dirty. <laughs> they're planning a complete refutation of these allegations on the grounds that there's something uniquely biological in these women causing the adverse reaction. Papers wrestling. Strongbow. Is that bad? The 11 babies thing? Lavord. Can someone get him another Danish? Sounds of Danish being passed. <laughs> Thank you. Morrison. Biological. Talk about that some more. Schofield. More paper sounds. It seems as though there's something unique in the, biolo- in the biology of a uh, certain type... Emphasis added, per Lavord. ...of woman. Ironsides. What type? Schofield. Men... Lavord. Ahem. Schofield. Sounds of glasses being removed. I'm not a doctor or a theologian, but it seems that the pill is reacting especially violently in women of a certain theological leaning. (laughs) I can't say much more at this time, but men and Sylvia, we're looking at a public relations nightmare of unprecedented proportions here. I don't need to explain the implications of a scenario in which we're seen as contributing to the overpopulation of New York City and the Eastern Seaboard. This is, wow, we just need to get ahead of this thing. Morrison. I don't think you'll have to worry much about people with that particular theological leaning in New York City, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Sound of chair creaking under (laughs) Morrison's girth. Lavord. I'm not sure that I do know what you mean. Schofield. He means this place is basically godless. Townsend. Clears clears throat. Ironsides. If I may. Schofield. May what? Ironsides. Speak candidly. Schofield. Of course. Ironsides. Men and Sylvia, (laughs) Settlers of Nebraska, LLC, is prepared to make a significant capital offer. Townsend. 
Lewis, I think we should... Ironsides. Men, without going into great detail, Settlers of Nebraska LLC sees opportunity where you see peril. I'm prepared to make a significant offer on the exclusive... Emphasis added, Lavord. Rights to bottle and distribute UltraJest solely to our... Uh... <clears throat> unique... Community. We see this as a way to more rapidly meet the unique goals that Settlers of Nebraska has identified as a company. Schofield. I'm listening. Name omitted. Jerry, you gotta dump this thing. Whatever the price is, take it. Morrison yawns. Schofield. Again, I'm listening. Ironsides. I'm prepared to give you all our wood. Strongbow, Snickers. (laughs) Schofield. Come again? Ironsides. The region formerly known as the state of Nebraska produces, well... A lot of wood. I'm offering it to you. Schofield. Lewis, I'm afraid I'm not following. Can we get a dollar amount? Also, what would LaHaye Armaments do with a bunch of wood? Ironsides. What you do with my wood is none of my business. Generalized snickering. <laughs> Ironsides. As I was saying, wood is an asset that we're prepared to make a significant offer of. My wood is on the table. Do with it what you, w- what you may. And transmission. Wow. Lots going on there. Lots going on in that chapter. Um, Zach, this book is really starting to, to pop. I feel like the pace is, uh, is really picking up. I'm excited. Uh, let's get a little snapshot of what's, what's like next. I feel like need to just do one more, buddy. Dude, chapter 12, Freakish Growth. Is this one yours or mine? I think it's mine. Okay. You want to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were only at like 28 minutes. Yeah, so let's, let's do it, man. Let's knock another one out. All right, let's do, let's do chapter 11, Freakish, Freakish Growth. growth. Who do you want me to be? You be Alex, mm. and then in the next thing, Will Highfield. Okay. Okay. Here we go. You can't just leave them here, Alex says. They're babies. I know. Emma stands in the midst of the eight children, three of whom are crying. She looks like she wa- she hasn't slept in like three weeks. Is this a daycare or something? What is this place? Emma flops down on the couch and sighs. This has become too big a secret to keep. She has to tell someone, and other than Kate, Alex is the only person she's seen since this all began. They're all Kates. She hired me to care for them. Alex laughs. Right. I'm serious. You know those pills Ted Strongbow was talking about on your show this morning? Ultragest? This is what it does. Or at least what it did to Kate. Oh. Alex absentmindedly picks up one of the crying babies and rocks it back and forth, quickly calming the child. Looking around the rest, he can sort of see Kate in all these faces. And Duke, too. All at once, his obsession with Kate withers and dies. <laughs> You're really good with them, Emma says. Yeah, well, I'm from Grand Rapids. I have eight younger brothers and sisters. <laughs> Would you mind feeding them? I've got the bottles all prepared. Hey, why not? As he wheels from bassinet to bassinet, Emma curls into a <laughs> ball on the birthing bed and begins snoring loudly. Alex looks down at the two infants in his bulging arms and thinks of this as, oddly, the most relaxed he's been since the accident. Then he feels a small hand gripping him around the knob of his left knee. The round face of a little toddler appears, laughing and squealing. Hey, little buddy, where'd you come from? The toddler just stares. You're standing. How old are you? Hey, Emma. Emma. She lifts her head, barely. What's that? How long has this been going on? This kid's got to be like, what, two? No, he's only a few days older than the others. She lays her head back on the pillow. Wait, you're saying they age faster too? Not all of them, just him. The first one. Weird. Cute little guy, though. What's your name, buddy? That's Alex. 
Emma Ooh. says, drifting off. Oh. Janet Burnett Bass is fully immersed in the sacred act of assembling conference attendee packets. <laughs> she has her favorite earbuds nestled in her ear canals, and her shellacked <laughs> mom hair is jiggling back and forth to the soothing sounds of Phillips, Craig, and Dean, as she applies a Wonder of Writing logo sticker to yet another embossed folder. She feels her phone buzz against the desk and is tempted to ignore the call, but the Sacred Space Writers <laughs> Association voted to make her cell number the official conference line, so she'd better not chance it. Annoyed, she pulls out just one earbud and says, This is Janet, into the cell, trying to sound congenial. Janet, this is Will Highfield calling from Branding Community Church up here in Branding, New York. Oh, Pastor Highfield, it's it's good to hear from you. Her pulse quickens. She pulls out the other earbud. Just wanted to make sure you got my rider for the conference. It's rather important to me. Janet shuffles some papers on her desk, which is really just a flip-down thing in a closet in the family's small dinette. <laughs> Let's see. No, not that. Um, is this it? Keynote speaker, hereafter KS, shall be supplied with the following. Three gallons of fresh-squeezed soy milk per day, an assortment of organic exotic fruits, hi-fi stereo stocked with audiobooks by Chaz Marriott and Michael... Yes, that's it. Highfield interrupts. I'm sure you can handle it, but did you see the part about the bookstore? She flips through to the twelfth page. Ah, yes, bookstore layout, she reads. Any copies of books by Tim Van Shrimpy are to be shelved immediately after KS's books in the conference bookstore slash book table, while all other books shall be arranged alphabetically by author. Okay. Highfield says, more a pronouncement than a question. Um, we usually only stock books by conference presenters and a few standards about the craft. I'd have to check with one of the other Janets, but I don't believe we plan on carrying any prophecy books. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless you really want us to. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Janet. Do you want to keep the talent happy? Of course, Pastor Highfield. Do you or any of the other Janets there have a church of 18,000 people and a platform of 221,000 at last count? No. Up from 197,000 <laughs> two months ago. I mean, we're talking freakish growth here. I understand. All right, then. Highfield says. I'll expect to see copies of the Persia Code, the OPEC Magog Maneuver, <laughs> Fifth Blood Moon, and how about Wacky End Times Mad Libs for the kids? No problem, she says, scribbling a note to herself. I'm just, do you mind if I ask why? The pastor chuckles. Ever heard of platform building? Of course. In fact, all but, uh, she skims the conference schedule. Um, <laughs> all of our workshops are actually about platform building this year. She frowns. They'd been planning to have at least one workshop about the actual writing. That's good. Why, Highfield says. And as you know, I'm a master of innovative platform building. Just freakish growth. And it just so happens that Dr. Van Shrimpy wrote the foreword to my newest book, Pushing God's Buttons. I'm trying to keep his name in front of people's minds. Van Shrimpy's, not God's. Since he sort of disappeared or whatever. Wow. How did you get him to do that? She can hear the pastor hesitate. <laughs> you want a little one-on-one -on -one platform coaching? He asks. Free of charge. I'd be honored. My mentor Terry taught me this. <laughs> I feel like it's funny. I feel like I've lived through this entire thing almost verbatim. My mentor Terry taught me this. If you want someone to write your foreword, just do it for them and send them a copy. If they don't object within 48 hours, you're good to go. It's industry standard. Fascinating, Janet says, jotting that down beneath the list of Van Shrimpy's books. I know. And there's plenty more where that came from. 
I'll fill your mind and then blow it. Oh, and one more thing. Make sure you've got a proper helipad set up. I come and go by chopper. Wow, she says again. Her cheeks are suddenly warm and flushed. We'll take care of it. Great, Janice. I'll see you this weekend. Janet, she says, but the call has ended. Pushing the stack of folders aside, she begins working her way through the list of speakers. It's short notice, but maybe someone would be willing to do a talk on the craft. One of the C-listers, like this guy, uh, Dr. James Wiles, last minute edition, topic to be announced. An English professor would probably love to talk about writing. She dials his number. Ooh, Wiles, dude. I love, I love Wiles stuff. <laughs> Come again? Alex's head is spinning. Kate named him Alex, and this here is Alexa. And then we've got Duke Jr., Duke Nukem, Mango Jane, and Niles Crane. They're twins. And this is Crystal Pepsi Russell Morrison. <laughs> she was actually kind of tipsy when she named the last few. I can't blame her, though. I mean, I think I'm under a lot of stress, and I could quit. But why Alex? At that moment, the door opens, and Kate strides into the room, head high, wearing the heck out of that blue power suit, carrying a massive box of pampers under each arm. Two days in a row without another one, Emma, she exclaims. I think the nightmare may be... Alex! She goes pale and looks from him to Emma and back again. What are you doing here? And what... What has Emma told you? Ooh. <laughs> dude, I love this book. I, I do too. I, I feel like it's a great chapter. Let's do it, dude. Dude, it, the next one's short, probably. Hang on, let me... Dude, the, the next one's the best. This is yours. Is the it? Ballad of Jim, of Jim Townsend. Nice. Who do you want to be? Uh, no, just take it, man. You, you no, I'll, I'll, be, it? I'll be the new husband. Oh, yeah. Good, good. All right. This is chapter 12, right? The Ballad of Jim Townsend. Jim Townsend doesn't believe in ballads and doesn't listen to music. <laughs> music is for soft-minded people. If he were to listen to music, he would only listen to something sensible and decent, like certain John Philip Sousa marches. <laughs> Not all of them, just certain ones. <laughs> selected John Philip Sousa marches. They say that all men reach a crucible in life. A moment in which a man is put through a refining fire of doubt, uncertainty, and in some cases, actual fire. <laughs> in Townsend's case, it was the actual fire, probably because experiencing doubt and uncertainty is for soft-minded people. <laughs> when Townsend was buried under a pile of the one thing he loves more than any other, wood, it not only ignited certain parts of his skin, primarily in the upper thighs and left shoulder, it ignited in him a renewed sense of self <laughs> and purpose. What burned that day, along with certain parts of his, his flesh. <laughs> was Townsend's relationship with his son, Tad. <laughs> he saw Tad's true feelings toward him as the boy walked coolly away from the exploding pile of wood. What Tad didn't take into account was Townsend's relationship with the wood. He and the wood were one. <laughs> Crushed under that pile, Townsend began talking to the wood, weirdly reciting lines from Wendell Berry poems, <laughs> until the fire subsided and he was able to tunnel safely by digging through the earth just beneath the wood. He spent three days beneath the surface of the earth, living <laughs> off earthworms and taking inventory of his life, which Townsend would categorize as soft. He would be more comfortable with saying that he just thought really hard about things while under the earth. But so regarding the new renewed sense of purpose... <laughs> Townsend realized that he was not put on this earth to produce and curate wood for another man. He would no longer blindly follow the charismatic Lewis Ironsides. He would be the master of his own wood. After three days in the earth, Townsend surfaced, ironically, adjacent to the side of his own grave. 
He stuck his head above the ground just enough to be able to hear his eulogy, which contained words like prepared and always had a knife. <laughs> there, were very, <laughs> there were very few people there. He peeked over Tad Townsend's shoulder and saw that his son was playing Candy Crush on a cellular device. I can't believe his mother allowed him to get a phone, Townsend thought. You apparently die for three days and all hell breaks loose. By, by all hell, he meant a poorly funeral. <laughs> by all hell, he meant a poorly attended funeral. And, and his adult son getting a phone. And with that, Jim Townsend went back into the earth. <laughs> he tunneled for 40 days and 40 nights, subsisting on earthworms and studying root systems. He had studied the underside of wood like no one ever had before. He emerged toned and taut, a new man. His hair was long and flowed down past his shoulders. <laughs> it seemed that Townsend had found something in the, in the earth that ignited hair growth, a discovery that would figure heavily in later developments. <laughs> Townsend bought a suit and rented a horse, determined to recreate the scene from Legends of the Fall where Tristan dramatically gallops back onto the ranch after several years spent roaming the earth. It had only been 43 days in Townsend's case, but still. When Townsend galloped dramatically back onto his land, no one seemed to notice. He lashed the horse to a <laughs> post and walked directly into his house, only to be confronted by another man, this man, wearing khaki pants and a salmon-colored golf shirt. Can I help you? Asked the man, putting down a newspaper. I'm Jim Townsend and you're sitting in my living room, he explained. However, it didn't look at all like Townsend's living room. The exposed wood and stuffed animal heads were all replaced by tastefully framed Ansel Adams photographs and a golf-themed wall hanging that reads, Welcome to the 19th hole, next to an artist's rendering of a sloshing beer stunt. I'm Stephen, said the man, extending a soft hand. And I guess this is my house now. Uh, hang on. He then shouted the word honey toward the staircase, beckoning the former Mrs. Townsend. Honey! She appeared wearing a pair of Victoria's Secret pink sweatpants and a Taylor Swift concert tee. <laughs> hey, Jim, she deadpanned. Townsend simply stared, slack-jawed. I kind of figured you'd survive somehow. They said the body had been turned to ash in the wood, but I didn't buy it. Apparently you bought it enough to get married 40 days later, Townsend sniffed. Actually, 23 days, she said. Stephen maintains the Twitter presence for Settlers of Nebraska, LLC. I'm surprised you never noticed him. She continued toweling her hair. I'm glad you're alive, but we've got a lunch reservation at Applebee's. We need to scoot. She actually said, scoot. You're going to Applebee's in that? It's a sit-down place, <laughs> Townsend asked, incredulous. In a bit of dialogue that explains a whole lot about their relationship and a whole lot about Mrs. Townsend's dissatisfaction, R.E. him. <laughs> it's casual there, Jim. With that, she turned and walked out of his life forever. She's right, in a sense, thought Jim. It's like the McDonald's of sit-down places. Townsend left that afternoon, determined to become the captain of his metaphorical ship. He resumed his post as consigliere to Lewis Ironsides and spent mad, sleepless nights in his laboratory, running experiments with the root-based elemental compound that would fuel Ultrajest. Jim Townsend had some ideas of his own. <laughs> Today in the boardroom is his moment. His time to seize his best life now, which is a book that he's been reading in the evenings. <laughs> he places a hand on Lewis Ironside's arm and rises from his seat. 
Lewis, I'm here to tell you that Ted Strongbow and I already own Ultra Jest, he says dramatically. Who do you think specifically formulated the compound to react so favorably to the body chemistry of Calvinist women? I found something, Jim, when I was in the earth for 43 days. <laughs> I have plans for Nebraska. You can lead, follow, or get out of the way. As soon as he said it, he regretted rhetorically presenting Ironsides the option to still lead. <laughs> he, wish he, had, he wishes he had gone with another masculine cliche, like, if you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. <laughs> that right, Strongbow? Ironsides asks. He's wounded. Besides Duke Morrison, he's never loved an athlete like he loved Tim Strongbow. Strongbow looks up from his Danish and nods. Ironside's face is turning a a startling shade of crimson, no doubt due to the rage he's feeling, coupling with a diet that includes only menu items that start with the words country fried. (laughs) Also, Townsend adds, nobody plays with my wood. What a double entendre from you there. Yeah, double entendre from Townsend. He's clever in the moment. You know, he's good on his feet. Well. Well, you know, from time to time. (laughs) Well then, dude, we uh, we've got a big location change in the next chapter. Was it called the Village? Oh, all right. Let's save that for a we'll save, save it for we'll next save it for tomorrow. Yeah, save nice. It for Zach, this has been a pleasure reading our own words. I, I, it's my favorite words to read. Yeah, our words. yeah. I'm really a huge fan of reading our own words out loud into uh, some microphones <laughs> that you've set up here in the studio. <laughs> Baby, what a long night. What a long day and night of podcasts. Work day. It's a work day. Are you are you about ready to knock off? Just punch the clock and Let's do it. Let's take do our it. lunch pails and our hard hats and, uh, and and come back in tomorrow morning ready to you know hit put our noses to the grindstone again as it works. <laughs> I'm ready to tunnel beneath the earth. Let's tunnel beneath the earth. By that we mean maybe go downstairs and watch another movie, which is technically beneath yeah, the earth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we will see you next time oh.